Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking barbecues, booze, and bodybuilding. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 101 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we're talking barbecues, booze and bodybuilding. We thought this would be a great idea for July 4th as this podcast, as it's going to be released, it's going to be July 4th. So happy 4th of July. Today, we're going to talk about barbecues. We're going to talk about eating out, eating at barbecues, I guess, from now through the rest of the summer what to try to do to set certain parameters for yourself now through the rest of the summer. We're also going to talk about booze. We're going to talk about alcohol metabolism. We're going to talk about how alcohol affects weight loss or fat loss. We're going to talk about how alcohol affects your hydration status. We're also going to talk about muscle and hormones when it comes to alcohol consumption. Specifically, we're going to talk about testosterone in terms of alcohol and really kind of answer the question, how does alcohol affect my progress, either from a fat loss or from a hypertrophy standpoint? Uh, and the bodybuilding, I kind of just added there, Nicole, because <laughs> I really wanted three B's. But I do think that barbecues, booze and bodybuilding, I think w- one of the things that we think about when we when we think bodybuilding, we typically most people think from a competitive standpoint, but technically speaking, Bodybuilding is the act of, you know, over the course of time, building your body into what you want it to ultimately be. So I do think using that terminology Mm -hmm. is kind of appropriate for this. Uh, And I also will say, Nicole, I know you have a piece to add about this. You know, people ask me all the time about alcohol and they're like, well, how does alcohol fit into my plan? Or if I want to fit, you know, if I want to fit alcohol into my plan, how does that work? How am I going to be able to do that? How is that going to affect me? And one of the stories that I always tell is when I was a young bodybuilder in my early 20s, me and my buddies were competing together, which was probably one of the greatest times of my life when you're competing with friends. Yeah, I I think it's it's awesome because you have accountability buddies. It just makes it makes the process so much easier because they're going through it with you. But one of the things that I did back then is I used to drink because I was young, right? So I used to drink heavily on the weekends up until four weeks out from the competition. And then I'd cut it completely and I would still be able to make tremendous progress because at the end of the day, what it comes down to is calories in versus calories out and the weekly deficit that you're creating. So Monday morning, it's back on that treadmill or Sunday, Sunday morning, it will be back on that treadmill and hitting your cardio, hitting your two a days. And I'd still be in a deficit. And, you know, four weeks out, I'd cut out the alcohol and I'd coast into the show and I'd be very, very lean and still do pretty well. Amazing. I mean, the fact that you could do that, that's also what what it's like to be 20 (laughs) something. (laughs) There's a big difference between 20 and 40, maybe. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think my ability to handle alcohol. Okay, listen, I'm not 40 yet. Well, buddy. No, no, no. I'm just saying I'm saying for me, when I competed, I competed for the first time when I was 40. And even when I really just started to to um, 
to think about really working my body hard from a build muscle standpoint. I've always, before that I was a dancer and I was skinny and I didn't eat anything. So even if I drank, my calories were low because I wasn't eating a lot of food. So, but what I was going to say to that is you're also 20 and you can, you know, we talk about this all the time with my girlfriends. When, when I was in my twenties, I literally could drink for a weekend, get up on Monday and go to work, get my workouts in. I didn't have, it didn't affect my body in terms of my sleep or, you know, I mean, I'd have a nice greasy meal the next morning, bacon, eggs, toast, like you, you know, you'd eat a good, even if it was at two in the morning on the way home. (laughs) But I mean, your body, or at least I, this is my opinion, your body can handle that a lot better when you're younger. By the time you hit 40, trust me, the recovery period after drinking is harder and it affects all the other aspects of your progress. I'd say this, I'd say from the time that I hit 28, that's when I started noticing a difference in me drinking. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't handle I just couldn't handle the next three days after drinking. I would feel it. Whereas before it was like, I'm not even hungover. I just hydrate hydrate myself at night before I go to bed. Yeah. Hydrate myself in the morning throughout the day. I get like three hours of sleep. I'd roll over. I'd go train my clients. And man, those were the days. (laughs) Like seriously, being young and being able to just coast through that. It was it is a fun time. It was fun for me, even as a dancer, because I did the same thing. Yeah, I think there, there's definitely a piece there. But what I will say is, you know, the question always comes up, where does alcohol fit in? Yeah. So I guess we'll start with alcohol since we're already on the topic. And then we'll go into other strategies in terms of, you know, barbecues, navigating your nutrition overall. And uh, we'll talk about you know, all of the different um, standpoints from there. I think last year around this time, we did something similar, but we didn't include an in-depth look on alcohol. Yeah, I've been wanting to do this for a while. So I'm excited because this is a big question that a lot of my clients ask. So let's have at it. So there's a few standpoints that we're going to look at alcohol from these uh, standpoints. And overall, what it seems like is it affects... In vitro, there are some effects and in rodents, there are some effects, but some of these effects really can't be replicated in human studies. And when we're talking about exercise, we're really looking at, okay, what's going on from a performance standpoint? So what we find from a performance standpoint, really what happens is, Nicole, it's like, you know, you've you've kind of made this statement before the the dose, the deadly dose, right? The dose. Yeah, the dose is what's deadly. Yep. What it seems to happen is that three or four drinks from a performance standpoint really has no effect on if we're talking strength, there's zero effect. If you're, there's actually no effect that I can see in the research on strength at all. Meaning after you've had drinks and you work out the next day or when I'm drinking and doing my (laughs) pushups after you work out, after you have drinks and you, and you work out the next day. Okay. So from a recovery standpoint, so from a recovery standpoint, okay. What I will say is this, from a fat loss standpoint, we have to kind of look at what's going on here. Right. And you mentioned like the, you know, it's the kind of like typical story. You land at a diner, you end up eating whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What happens from a fat loss standpoint is if you're having a couple of drinks and you're be and you're able to fit that into your day mm-hmm. and fit that into your calories, then that's fine. I think the issue is there are a couple of issues with being able to uh, or potential issues. Right. Some people can bear it. Some people can't. Right. So the one issue is alcohol is very calorically dense, right? You have one light alcoholic beverage. It's about 100 calories. Mm -hmm. You have one shot. It's anywhere from 100 to 120 calories. 
right. right? The, depending on, uh, you know, what proof and how much alcohol is actually in it. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to that, it's what do you first of all, I don't really care what you're replacing it with carbs or fat. Metabolically speaking, it, it's right. it's treated differently. Alcohol is actually treated as a toxin, just like any other toxin that enters your body. It literally just delivers straight to your liver Mm -hmm. and your liver actually has to process that immediately. So it stops everything. It stops lipolysis or you're not breaking down fatty acids. Uh, The breakdown of the, the fats that you're eating, using that for energy, you're not doing that. You're not breaking down carbohydrates, using them for energy. You're not doing any of that until you get rid of the alcohol. So The more you drink on any given day, the more you're going to delay whatever you've eaten in that day or whatever you've eaten, you were eating while you were drinking or after you were drinking. Right. So that's kind of the important notion to think about is that depending on how much you drink, if I have just a couple of drinks and I fit that into my day and I'm still in a calorie deficit, that's not really the problem. The problem is if I'm having a decent amount of drinks and that's adding up calorically and at the same time, even if I put myself at maintenance with the alcohol and then I eat a meal, that meal is entirely going to be stored because I have to prioritize alcohol. I need to eliminate that from my body. I think the other thing too is how it affects you as an individual. And I know you hate talking from an individual standpoint, but we're trying because we're trying to make. Well, I don't hate talking from an general point, but but I mean, if you and I go out to drink, and I have one drink. Seriously, I can't even say this. Two drinks is my max. Like, I can't drink more than two drinks. I'm small, petite girl. And it af- it affects me. Like, I'll be on the floor. I get drunk very easily. But if you go out, I mean, we've been out. You can have a couple more drinks than me and it be totally fine. So you also have to remember who the host is and what the body's experiencing when you're drinking and then how, it you know, that affects your choices after that, too. Because... You know, I have clients that can go out and have a glass of wine with dinner and it's not that big of a deal. But if you're if you're going out with, you know, a group of people to and you're bar hopping and you're drinking from place to place, that's a very different type of caloric night. And I have some of my, you know, construction guys that will go out after work and have six or seven beers, six or seven. That's a lot of calories in one night. Well, then there's that that that's the difference. And when we talk about exercise performance, I'm going to go back to the exercise performance is that's the difference between two or three drinks. You're fine from a performance standpoint. Right. It's not going to affect your workouts. It's also not going to affect you from a hormonal standpoint. Right. When we are looking at hormones. Right. And I'm going to just jump to this because that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. What we find here is so two to three drinks have actually been shown in in research. And this seems to be pretty consistent in the research. Two to three drinks have actually been shown to increase testosterone in men by about 17%. Can I just tell you that that explains all the bar fights? <laughs> yeah, right. You're, you're jacked up on testosterone right? and you get angry. <laughs> I've been thinking about that since you said that. You're like, oh, testosterone goes up. And I'm like, well, that explains why a lot of the guys that we're hanging out with are but here's the thing. I, there's, a, there's a caveat here. I don't want people okay. to think, oh, well, I'm going to drink two to three drinks a night and then I'm going to have uh, increased testosterone, yeah, increased and, testosterone. Right? <laughs> because the effect is short term. Right. So, you know, you come down from whatever little buzz you have from the two to three drinks or no buzz at all. Once that alcohol is out of your system, the, the effect's not going to last. It's not going to help you to build muscle to drink alcohol. It's also not going to hurt you, according to the research, to have two to three right. drinks. And if you have two to three drinks, it's not going to affect your performance either in the gym, as long as you're hydrating yourself going into the next day. Now, if you're getting drunk, if you're chronically drinking alcohol, that seems to actually have the opposite effects for men. And it has a decrease in testosterone levels. 
that's now, good. The other caveat here is drunk women, right? There was a, there was a study where they measured uh, patients in the hospital. They measured their testosterone levels. What they found was that the, the men had a decrease in testosterone with chronic consumption of alcohol, right? So these drunk men would stumble into the hospital. They test their testosterone levels and they'd have a decrease in testosterone and drunk women will have a sharp increase in testosterone levels. The difference between men and women is it's thought that alcohol affects testicular testosterone production, right? And luteinizing hormone. Mm-hmm. And that is what the difference is between men and women, because because women don't have testicles. So that's why women actually have an increase in testosterone and men have a decrease in testosterone. That seems to be the thought on what the mechanism is. Yeah, I will say, though, both sexes seem to have an increase in prolactin, uh, corticotropin and cortisol. Right. So you have elevated levels of cortisol. We know cortisol isn't great for muscle. So if you're getting drunk on a regular basis, that might that's where it's going to be detrimental. And that's where we talk about anything in excess. Right. Look, when we talk about the from a, we're talking about just a muscle and performance standpoint. I have other views when it comes to even not chronic, even just a few drinks from a gut health standpoint. Uh, that's, that's a little bit different, but even so, even with the gut health stuff, when we see alcohol consumption chronically versus just a few drinks, right? You could probably get away with just a few drinks here and there, but if you're a chronic drinker, you're going to have increased, uh, you're going to have hyperpermeability of the intestinal lining. You're going to have endotoxins that are coming in uh, from produced by the bacteria, right? You're going to have all these things, right? And then you're going to have these immune responses. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough is there, I did see some research that kind of shows that you don't have like, um, like C-reactive protein and certain cytokines, like you don't see an increase in, in the immune system there, but you also do, do see changes in like TNF alpha, which is part of the immune system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certain parts of the immune system seem to be affected by alcohol consumption. Now, what I'll say is since we're on the topic of testosterone, let's talk about just muscle in general and muscle protein synthesis and the mm-hmm. effects of alcohol on muscle protein synthesis. So there's a study that compared a uh, no alcohol group an alcohol and protein group and an alcohol and carb group. And they wanted to see the changes in muscle protein synthesis uh, between those groups. So the control group would be obviously the, the no alcohol group and what the study found is that you have significantly higher levels of circulating amino acids and leucine when you compare no alcohol to alcohol consumption, even when consuming whey protein after alcohol consumption. This is likely due to what I would think is the prioritization of alcohol metabolism via the liver, right? So you're not really breaking down the proteins, the amino acids, you're not extracting and utilizing that leucine like you should be. Uh, And what we found was muscle protein synthesis was significantly lower in the alcohol protein group than the group that didn't have. uh, So even if you drink and this was whey protein, right? So very high concentration of leucine, very good quality protein. Even if you drink alcohol and you have protein on top of that, this is it was measured after a workout, right? So you work Mm -hmm. out, you have alcohol and protein, you're going to have lower muscle protein synthesis. That's an acute effect though, right? So I don't want it to kind of sound like, hey, like you can't drink because it's going to be terrible for your gains because if you go out on the weekend and you drink, you maybe schedule it on a day that you're not working out or something. But it's yeah. not it's not going to be a drastic effect in terms of your ability to build muscle and your ability to lose body fat like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest piece to, to body fat, what we know is that it's, it's just going to be calories in versus calories out. How you choose to have those calories, I think the obstacle that you're going to undergo 
when it comes to alcohol is a it's not going to be satiating to begin with. Alcohol seems to be the least satiating. When we talk about macronutrients, we're always talking about carbs, fat and protein. Technically yeah. speaking, uh, alcohol is the fourth macronutrient mm -hmm. and alcohol yields seven calories per gram of alcohol uh, versus, you know, four and four and then nine for uh, for fat. But when you're looking at from a macronutrient to macronutrient standpoint, alcohol seems to be the least satiating. The other thing is, if you start getting a little buzzed or you get drunk, your ability to control yourself in terms of in terms of food consumption yeah, food is going to is going to start to go down. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't think any any for all of our listeners have you've gone out, you have a couple of drinks. What's the first thing? That, I mean, that with all my friends, all of a sudden we're like, anybody hungry? I want to get an appetizer. And it's always french fries and onion rings like you want the, but you don't want a piece of chicken and vegetables. No, I want a bur I want the burger. I want, I want the, the burger. The, yeah, the, the bacon cheeseburger deluxe. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, all, all that being said, I think from a standpoint of muscle, a standpoint for, of performance, a couple of drinks here and there really aren't going to affect you. I think if you're a chronic consumer of alcohol, if you're young and you're still binge drinking on the weekends because people <laughs> do that. I think that's where it might affect you a little bit more, but we don't see really major uh, issues when it when it's actually surprising because, you know, thinking about alcohol and how it gets prioritized and, yeah. you know, how your body kind of treats it and the effects of the gut, like you would think that you would see worse outcomes when it comes to alcohol, but you actually don't. Now, what I'll say is from a hydration standpoint, you just want to make sure that you stay hydrated, right? Um, you would, date, dating back to like 1948, we we looked at alcohol as a, very potent diuretic where uh, 10 milliliter excess urine production was evident following each gram of ethanol, which is alcohol consumed. Mm -hmm. Right. So you do see every, for every gram that you eat, there's an extra 10 milliliters of urine that you're excre excreting. Uh, the other thing that I'll say about alcohol, and this is cool if you're already shredded and you're going to an event. And, and I know that uh, some bodybuilders, people used to say Arnold used to take a shot of Jim Beam backstage. Mm -hmm. uh, alcohol's effects. Like if you're really lean mm -hmm. and you want it, it's interesting. I have a client right now that I'm coaching. That's super lean. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what about, he's like, I, I kind of feel like having a drink this weekend. It's 4th of July. And I, yeah. so we actually planned his, uh, refeed. Mm -hmm. We're doing mm -hmm. a, a diet break for three days. And I said, okay, well choose your days, whatever it is, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, however you yeah. want to work it. And I'm like, I want you to have an extra 600 calories a day. Mm -hmm, and he's like, mm -hmm. what about alcohol? I'm like, just sure. account for yeah. it calorie wise. It's fine. Right. And that's going to fit into his day. And this is what I mean by fitting things into your day. But yeah. before I get into fitting things into your day, I want to talk about the effects on vasodilation. It seems yeah. that even even a little bit of alcohol intake increases nitric oxide production by the cells of your blood vessels. So you end up with more nitric oxide production. And if you know anything about nitric oxide production, that is a vasodilator. So it causes your uh, arteries, your veins to dilate and you start to look more vascular, right? So if that's something that you're chasing, yeah, then taking a shot or two of alcohol is definitely going to do that. I didn't have the balls to do that when I was competing in bodybuilding. See, that's was... so funny to me that you would of all the things that you choose chose to do. That's not one of them, like a shot of alcohol. No, because I was so depleted at that point. And yeah, yeah. I was well, like, if I have alcohol, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get hammered, hammered even yeah. with one shot at <laughs> right. this point. And I'm I'm not going to be able to get on that stage. I'm going to be all yeah. loosey goosey on stage. Like, it's yeah. not going to be cool. <laughs> My coach called it holy water. We definitely all the girls in our team 
would have a vodka, shot of vodka before we went on stage. For me, it would helped with my nerves because I was really nervous. I'm not used to being on stage and standing still and posing as a dancer. You're telling a story and moving. So that was a completely different experience for me. Um, but yeah, we did it. It definitely worked. If, and like I said, I felt more relaxed. So I, I think it depends on, again, the person and how it affects your body. But it certainly was fun. Super fun. Not for <laughs> me. I would not. Uh, I just I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I'm going to I'm vascular that, enough. I don't that need to goes do to it. my point, though. Right. It depends on the person and depends on, how, you know, what you're willing to to do or try. You know, you got to you know, every show was different. I wasn't really someone that was trying to be a pro. I just wanted to compete and see what I could do with my body. So I was like, eh, we'll have some fun while we do it. I was I wasn't as like hardcore probably as you were. With the bodybuilding from a bodybuilding standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I was I did it when I turned for my 40th birthday, 40, 41, 42, maybe for three, three seasons. You know, that's like and, prime, uh, that's also prime age for women to compete. I, well, this is the thing. I, that's what I'm saying to you. I absolutely completely changed. I completely changed my body. I went from skinny dancer to muscular fit chicken. It was a, a blast. So much fun. And I, I, I loved it. I was hangry and <laughs> like all the, the you know, the parts of it that were hard were very hard, but I had done it before as a dancer, so it wasn't terrible. Yeah, but the hard part is is what makes it good great challenge when you, get on the, when you get on that stage. That's what makes. Yeah, it, uh, listen, re I play. I meddled in top five. I was thrilled with that and I was really happy and I had a great time with my friends. So for me, that was the ex that was the experience I was looking for. But I think the big, big part of the alcohol piece, the reason why I wanted to talk about this on an episode is you have a specifically uh, in my caseload, I have clients that are like, cut everything out, never touch a drop. And, and that's more just their personality. It's not about the alcohol per se. They just don't, they're not drinkers. And then I have the complete opposite. It's like, then I have my guys that drink, drink, drink. And so I feel like I'm trying to convince some of my hardcore never touch alcohol, that it's okay to have, like you said, a, a planned refeed or planned diet break and put it in and have a good experience with friends and family if that's how you want to do it or night out with friends. And then I'm also trying to cut my heavy drinkers back. I'm always trying to navigate the middle. Well, here's what I'll say from my experience, and I've said this before. I think there are more alcoholics out there than there are people that know that they're alcoholics. And I think it's because from a social standpoint, it's acceptable. Right. So for those people yeah. that are heavy drinkers on a daily basis, I think a, a reality check kind of needs to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's really hard because you, you're I, I'm not a social worker. Right. It's it's a hard conversation to tiptoe around and, you know, you're worried about your clients getting on the defense. But it's like, listen, like if you if you're like, I got to have a drink, then there's a conversation you need to have with yourself that it's that's not an easy conversation, I think, to have with with a client. But I, I do think that at that point, it's an issue. I And I don't think that you can get to where you want to be by having frequent drinks you know, pretty much almost daily. I don't. Yeah, it also depends on where you're starting in your journey, right? Like we've talked about this many times. If you're someone that's brand new to fitness and you've been you've normal, you're drinking is a normal part of well, your life and you don't lift and you haven't done cardio and then you start exercising. The fact that you're adding in exercise for the first time is going to have a, a great effect. And the alcohol isn't something I really focus on because 
I'm Maybe. just trying to create habits. But I would or, say I would say this. I would argue this, that if you cut out al- alcohol, you're going to lose weight because those are all those extra calories that you're taking in on a daily basis. Right. So exactly. If, if one of the first things that you're talking about is I want to cut down on my alcohol consumption, mm-hmm. that's going to be, I think, probably a more important change. I'd rather yeah. you I'd rather you not go to the gym, go get some steps in and cut down your alcohol. And yeah. maybe those steps will help you from a mental standpoint to deal with whatever you're dealing with that that is causing you to drink to begin with. Well, right? it's funny because you say that as a coach and mine's kind of the opposite. I will push them to work out and if they've been drinking and they go to get a workout in and they feel like complete ass. It's kind of I don't really have to say much. They're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how awful I felt. I couldn't even get through that workout. And I'm like, well, what do you think about the alcohol? And then and then they come to the, their own self conclusion that maybe I should cut back. I kind of come at things yeah, in, the, in that listen, way. Talk, you're talking about extreme ends, right? So let's talk yeah, about yeah. let's Middle. just talk about the people who are like, hey, it's summertime. I want to be able to enjoy some drinks because I think that is the majority of yeah. uh, people are like that. That's normally what I see. And what what I'll say to those people, and this is where we're going to get back into the barbecues thing. Prioritizing your protein is first and foremost when it comes to anything. And when people talk talk to me about barbecues, I'm like, that's the simplest scenario because you're there's an abundance of protein. The only thing you have to worry about really is are the sides that you're having along with that protein. So if you prioritize your protein and you make room for the alcohol, two or three beverages, then you're fine. You find some vegetable. Listen, if there's no uh, um, if there's no like good, maybe there's like potato salad and that, you know, there's a ton of calories in that. Uh, maybe some like fruit and vet- there's watermelons available, maybe some vegetables like those are things that are available, too. And maybe find some starch potatoes or whatever. Obviously, I know that you don't have control over every factor if you're going to somebody else's barbecue or what you could actually do to have control is bring something to the barbecue. What do you bring to barbecues when you go to a barbecue? I don't bring shit. I bring myself. (laughs) I don't bring anything either. I I actually enjoy going to other people's houses and seeing how they make their food and what they grill and how they grill things. And and I tried. I like to try different things. So I'm also the type of person like when I was bodybuilding, I'd go to barbecues in the summertime and I'd have no problem. And I'd be like, hey, and I would ask, I would tell my I have no shame. And I tell my friends like, hey, like, you know, can can we have some like vegetables that on the side just because I'm trying to watch what I'm doing? Like, don't have any fear of having that conversation. Yeah, especially with your close friends. If you're going to their barbecue and you're having a conversation with them, I I really think that you should be able to speak up and your friends should be able to be supportive enough to be like, yeah, man, I got you. No problem. Exactly. I think a lot of the barbecue stuff is just foods that you don't know we don't normally eat because it's a barbecue so obviously we're not barbecuing in the winter unless you're hardcore barbecue outside um in the winter time but i think it's all the other stuff the chips the dip the alcohol the you know cookies and maybe um like sweet treats and things that they just you know there's more of and i think it's more a portion issue than it is even the types of food that people are picking they go in and don't eat the protein and they just hash out on chips and salsa and and beer. And then you're you're eating all these calories and everything is carbohydrates. And then you come back and you feel awful. I, I will say one tip because you're talking about chips and salsa. I think one mm-hmm. tip is don't try not to go to the barbecue. Like if you're getting there at Starving. an early time at the beginning of the barbecue, when it first starts, try not try to have some at least something light before you get there. 
because there's a potential that you might be waiting a bit before the food gets all grilled up and, mm-hmm. and it's ready to go. So you don't want to fall into that scenario where you're hungry or even hangry. And then you're just like, oh, I got to have something. And then before you know it, you've eaten a half a bag of chips and dip and guacamole. <laughs> and, you know, the um, what's that? The uh, I'm pretty sure it was like from BJ's. I remember I, I would go to a buddy of mine and uh, his his now wife would pick up it was his girlfriend at the time. She would pick up the uh, it's like five bean or three bean or oh, some yeah. shit like, like that. The, the dip, right? Mm-hmm. The pre-made dip. And it was amazing. But it's the calories and that stuff with sour cream and all that other stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's insane. But, you know, just my point being, you don't want to be snacking a lot. You want to still think of consistent meals. And oh. the other piece is you also want to be able to allow yourself a little flexibility and freedom. So in the case of the client that I'm coaching and I knew ahead of time, and this is why I, why I say, like, if we're doing refeeds, let me know when you have events. I mean, this was an easy one because it's a it's Fourth of July. It's no brainer. And, and we can work some kind of a refeed. If you're at that point in your coaching, we can work that refeed into those days so that you can allow yourself a lot more flexibility than you normally would. Yeah. One of the things that I talk to clients a lot about going to barbecues is instead of walking around and picking as you're walking around, we I always talk about plating your food, like get a plate, pick what you're going to eat, plate a food. Like if you're going to have a little chips and salsa, put it on a plate with your protein and whatever else you're eating and then go sit down or stand wherever you are, but eat your food off the plate. And then once the plate is gone, you're done. And if you wait a little bit and then want to go back for seconds, get a smaller plate, plate some chips and salsa. But I think what happens is people tend to just walk around and pick things off the table, grab a handful of this, grab a handful of that. And they're not really paying attention to. Yeah. And that's those are the situations where it's like, oh, well, you didn't log anything. Okay, well, I didn't log it. I didn't log anything because I was just kind of picking at things and I didn't know I didn't know how to put them into my journal. Yeah. Yeah. So those are those situations. But. I, I do think, listen, for, when it comes from when I, and I'll just kind of, you know, recap a couple of things that we talked about when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to alcohol and building muscle, when it comes to alcohol and fat loss, it's not really a big deal if you're drinking occasionally here and there. Uh, it doesn't even really seem to affect your performance all that much in the gym. I do think to your point, Nicole, as you get older, it becomes a little bit more difficult to, you know, get up and going a day after drinking. Uh, But overall, we don't see any kind of long term effects. Uh, We do see uh, some minor changes in testosterone that are temporary. I don't think it's enough to really make a a huge difference in terms of your overall testosterone levels. Women aren't going to grow beards because they're drinking alcohol. (laughs) Uh, Men aren't going to grow muscles because they're drinking a little bit of alcohol and they're not going to. I don't know, grow something else because they're chronically drinking and they have low testosterone levels, mm-hmm. but it is something that can be manageable. And I, I think depending on where you are in your coaching is really going to determine how you're going to handle those situations. And really the biggest thing that I would like for you to do when you are going to gatherings and events is just like anything else, it's no different. You're going to prioritize your protein. If there's vegetables available, you're going to have some vegetables and you're going to fit things in, you know, specifically alcohol or some snacks within the parameters that you set for yourself. And it is possible to stay on track. And I don't want anybody to really kind of have that mindset that it's just all or nothing. And they're going into this and, and it's just like, oh, well, how I can't do it. Because once you tell yourself that, 
Mm-hmm. You've, you've completely lost that argument with yourself or that conversation with yourself mm-hmm. once you kind of submit to that. And it definitely is possible to stay on track and to stay within the parameters that you set for yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, crush your goals. You don't have to be so stressed about it. Crush your goals. I said something uh, on, on Instagram. It was uh, follow your ABCs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always be crushing. <laughs> I kind of just thought about that on the fly, but I like it. Always be crushing it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 